0: Welcome to Cauldron of Worlds. Episode 24 Joint Creation Efforts. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Cauldron of Worlds. I'm Chad Corey, and this is episode 24. ...of the ongoing series, but actually the first episode of Season 3. Congratulations for making it this far. If you've been following along since the beginning, hopefully it has been of a benefit or of a use to you. And for those who are just joining, uh, welcome, hello. There's going to be a couple of quick things I wanted to share in this uh, inaugural episode, if you want to call it that, for the new season. Basically, I'm doing a alter, uh, alteration on how things are going to be going moving forward here as far as how many episodes I'm producing and when they're going to release. The idea being that I think I've shared at this point pretty much all that there is to share that I'm able to share in this format about world building. That isn't to say I'm a totally exhausted the format. Uh, obviously, it's a, it can be very nebulous based upon what you want to do or how you want to go forward on what your particular endeavors are. But I think without getting the chance to be repetitive and, and that can sense kind of annoying and not really beneficial to anyone, I'm going to start wrapping things up, starting with this particular episode. Uh, that means I'm going to go to a quarterly release now for this year, 2022, and for Season 3. At the end of that year, basically, unless there's something that changes where I suddenly have a major epiphany or something you know happens where I can... Share some more relevant or beneficial information to you all. I am going to wrap up this podcast and call it finished at that point in time. I think three three seasons I think is a pretty good introduction to the topic. Again, I wasn't covering everything in an exhaustive uh, formalatic process where you could have you know everything figured out and, and cookie cutter kind of thing. I was giving you ideas, and I will still continue to give you ideas and insight. And a basic understanding of something that you can take and grow and move in the direction that is best suited for you and your purposes and whatever world building that you do. I don't know, given the change of the format as far as the release schedule goes, if the episodes themselves are going to be longer. For those who've been listening for a while, you, you know, basically, I kind of freeform these things, basically, give a talk off the top of my head for the most part, sharing what I've learned and some of the things that I've experienced as well as other things in the industry that I think would be beneficial that would keep you guys from making the wrong decisions and choices that I made that caused a bunch of problems and challenges and basically helping you save time, save money, and just be more productive with both and have a more enjoyable time in whatever world building you choose to do. And these episodes in particular will still follow the same format that we've done, That is, I'm going to kind of keep it as generic and open-ended as possible, because when you start going into more super specific on things, you are going to run the risk of alienating people that don't have that interest, because world building is very much a, I don't want to say it's subjective, although there's an element of that to it. It can be a very focused process, and so if you get beyond the the generic and the, the general sense of things, which I think everyone can benefit from learning and, and you know, getting better on, myself included, then you get into more specifics that tailor themselves toward your particular project. And I don't know what you're going to build. I don't know what your particular interest or direction or purpose is for your particular world. And it would be very foolish for me to try and assume that and try and give information or input or advice based on what you know, I think you might be doing. So rather than risk, you know, not really having a productive podcast or any information for everybody, we're, we're keeping it, like I said, more macro to micro kind of concept and kind of keeping it more general and generic in, in some ways to allow as many people to benefit as possible. So that much still is the same. When is this going to be released? We're looking at putting it out the first month of each quarter. So that means, obviously, you get this one today. It would be January, and then it would be the first month of the next quarter, which would be March, I think, right? January? No, excuse me, April, and and so on and so forth. Now, usually, I think I'll try and keep to the same release schedule I did last season, which was about the third week of the month. That seems to be kind of a good, kind of a good flow and a fit for things as far as everything else I'm doing. I've also added a, a new podcast to the mix. For those who don't know, i just give a little plug for that. It's CoryCast. If you're curious to know more about everything I'm doing, not just specifically trial and related things or world building in particular, you can check that out. And uh, that's also a quarterly release. Uh, I'll be doing that the second month of each uh, quarter. But this is the first month of each quarter for Coldwater Worlds. Okay, that said... What are we going to talk about today? Well, I wanted to talk about the topic I haven't really gotten into, but I think it's just as important that we address it on some levels as well because you'll probably run into that or maybe have already experienced it yourself in your creative process, and that is the joint creative effort. And what I mean by that is you are not doing this on your own. Previously for seasons one and two, I was sharing information based upon you being the sole creator, the sole engine, shall we say, of the creative process of your world setting. You're doing all the work, you're doing the research, you're doing all the basic elements of, you know, making it happen. And that works for some people and some people, they just don't have enough time, energy, strength, you know, Whatever. To to do that, and oftentimes you'll find yourself ending up working with um, another individual or uh, a group of individuals to make your world setting a reality. And oftentimes, this will be the case when you're working on different formats or, I guess, incarnations of your world setting. What do I mean by that? Well, previously we talked about having the form and function of your world setting if you will define from the beginning as best you're able in other words what are you going to use this for is it going to be a role-playing game is it going to be a novel series is it going to be a comic book series is it going to be an animated movie thing is it going to be a setting for a bunch of action figures to come out of or a mobile game you know just whatever or whatever combination of that you can think of that will help set the parameters the the guide rails if you will and also devise the concept of what paths are best suited for you moving forward and how to better flesh out and establish and get the the groundings figured out from the beginning so you don't have to do a lot of design work and busy work after the fact when everything's kind of established and kind of dig up the foundations and add some things to make things work for those particular formats and incarnations. Usually when you're doing a project for like a world, for like a novel, you are basically on your own. And sometimes that can be the case with graphic novels and and, uh, and comic books as well, especially if you are the artistically inclined where you can write and draw your own book. And even sometimes when you're just requiring the service of an artist to help put together what you've already done, you can pretty much for a lot of times basically do it on your own, world building that kind of stuff. But sometimes you might want to collaborate with someone and put things together especially if you know the graphic novel media medium usually when you get into a larger collaborative group or or experiences when you find yourself doing like a role-playing game or a game in general video game things like that where it's a lot more moving parts than just like say putting out a book or a comic you have a lot more things to consider and a lot more people that have to do different elements that in some way touch on or actually extend out of the world building process so what, what do you want to do with that? How does that work for you? What are some things that you can kind of figure out from the beginning? Well, it really helps to figure out how this is going to be shared as far as ownership goes. A lot of times people don't think about that in the beginning. They're all excited. you know, They got their best buddy or whatever or some college friends or whatever the case might be. They got a new company off the ground and they're just super excited to have something to create and produce and, and get out there. They don't often think about, okay, who's going to own the rights to what and who's going to have creative say over this or that? Who's making the final decisions on on what is and isn't included? Is it going to be more democratic where everyone votes and the majority votes win? Is it going to be uh, biggest shareholders get to make the decisions? Is it going to be the original person that brought the idea as kind of the caretaker and the, the protector of the setting? Um, so those are some things you have to kind of figure out and establish from, from the beginning. It's a lot easier to do that up front before time and money and effort is put into something, where people have more invested feelings of ownership or control already at that point. It's it's good to have a, a working parameter and a guideline for that established. Sometimes, when the case you know, like a you know, company for making you know, a video game, role playing game, things like that, those roles are already established. Uh, usually, you know, if you're a larger company, the company would be the one owning the, the property and you basically are you know filling some things in and you have maybe some say over what is produced, but it's going to be the company ultimately that's making the decision. But if it's a bunch of you guys that just started up a company and you're just having a fun time doing it, it is probably a good idea to establish from the beginning, okay, who is going to have a final say on what and who controls it, who owns it, are we going to own it collectively? Because it doesn't, you know, you don't think about that now, but should this become a successful venture and you start making some money or just some really good money, um, that can kind of change some things pretty quickly. And when you don't have a clear distinction of who owns what and who has control over what, who has rights to this and that, that can get kind of messy and, and get a lot of lawyers involved in things like that. And it's probably wise, you know, to avoid that as much as possible early on. So having a clearly defined structure in place and understanding of that aspect is, I think, important. When I work with uh, creative artist people or creative designers, for instance, I usually have a simple contract that I put out, especially if it's just working with artists, which I usually do for, you know, cover design or for, even for comic books and things like that. It would just bring them on, for instance, as a work for hire type of situation, basically not granting them any any input or rights or anything to the ownership of the property and basically explaining that up front so that they know, okay, I'm just providing smart work, I'm getting paid for, it, it's a work for hire thing, I don't really own anything, I don't really have anything invested in this. And that's just really simple and really easy. Uh, it works well for them, works well for me, everyone knows where they're coming from, what's expected of them, and you can go from there. So you make the decision that's best for you, obviously. I don't know your whole situation, what you're trying to do with this, but if you're trying to get into the larger f- frame of things with Like I said, role playing games, comic books, uh, like not comic books, but like, you know, movies and things like that, video games, where you can have potential larger income streams coming in through that. It might be wise to get that figured out from the beginning and uh, get that all clarified. Assuming you did that and everything's hunky dory, how do you break down the structure then of the joint creative effort? Now, basically, that means who is going to do what and what type of expectations is that going to. Meet or be uh, incurred by the individuals taking on those responsibilities. Maybe you have, for instance, one guy that's really good. He likes writing history. He just that's his thing. He's just really good into getting the background history. So they have some notes. He fleshes out the history, for example. Maybe you have another uh, person on the team. She's really good at doing cultural things and background of of doing maps and layouts. So they they do the the layout stuff and the design. Anyway, so maybe there's some people that have different strengths that you can play toward. And they can benefit by fleshing out that aspect of the world setting. And that can really help. That helps speed things along. And it gives a more... I don't want to say deeper, but it possibly gives it a deeper, different flavor to things because you're blending your own voices and you're blending your own worldviews and things into an overall project, which sometimes can make it more enriched and deeper in some things. But also, you just got to make sure you don't end up having everything designed by committee. And what do I mean by that? I mean... You don't have any originality. You don't have any uniqueness to your world setting. It's just all voted on. Everything is, you know, we don't like this, like that. It's just it's the most safest, easiest, <laughs> homogenized form of creative process imaginable. Or, or the other extreme of that is everyone and anything gets included, and so there's no overall cohesion or continuity or consistency to what's being produced. It's just whatever we want to include we got to find a way to put it in there. Now, sometimes creative collaborative efforts can generate some fun surprises, some fun different nuances or add-ons to things that you weren't necessarily thinking before. But a lot of times when you have all these people and they have their own ideas, there is a tendency, um, especially early on or when things, like I said, become more invested in the creative process, that they want to take on and make it more their own own thing and, and deviate from the original plan. Uh, I can share some examples I've learned. I've done some world building before with other people. And uh, just from my experience, I I seem to work better individually. Um, That's just me. And that's saying that's your necessarily, you know, your forte or you got to go. But for me, why I do more of my stuff independently is because I just have not had a great experience working with people collectively thus far uh, on any type of world building projects. Uh, Case in point, I'll just share this real quick, is You know, I've back when there was uh boy, probably dating myself now, but like early 2000s, when there was a big push for the new third edition Dungeons and Dragons came out, they made an open game license, which allowed people basically to make their own veneer you could put over the Dungeons and Dragons game engine, the D20 system as they called it back then. And so, everyone and their grandma basically at that point in time wanted to get into and get on that bandwagon and make some money because they thought that was the next best thing. It was a bubble, of course, and people didn't know that at the time initially, but it, it soon became obvious that you just looked at it and said, yeah, it's, it's going to burst pretty soon, and it did. But in the meantime, uh, you had everyone trying to figure out how to make a world study and get it out there and, and produce it you know, as quickly and easy as possible so they can capitalize on this you know, quick cash as they, as they thought it was. Well, basically, what I try to do is do the same thing. And we had a person I was working with, went to college with, and I thought they'd be a good fit. And they were initially very interested and excited with doing the project as well. They just, oh, that's really cool, really cool. And it quickly became obvious that uh, I was doing all the work. I was doing all the writing. I was doing all the creating. I was doing all the development stuff, putting together the game mechanics, putting together, you know, it was, it was basically me doing everything. And the other person, well, they said, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do, I'll do this. It it never materialized. And they ended up, finally I just said, look, can you just give me, basically I finished the book, (laughs) finished the setting. Could you just, you know, provide for me what you did, what you had, uh, what you were supposed to do. And there was nothing there. It was like maybe a column, which maybe like five, ten, no, five to six paragraphs on it. It was ridiculous. Uh, Obviously, they didn't have good time management skills, and they weren't as serious about it that that I was. And that just kind of taught me, okay, maybe I should reevaluate this. But on the flip side of that, another project I did around that same time, or actually later than that, a few years later, I had someone, these are international people now, and we just basically assigned them different categories. And they did a great job. Uh, I was trying to get a a company off the ground, a role-playing game company off the ground, and we discovered that it'd be really easy to, to assign people certain things, certain aspects of the world setting that they had a better expertise in or that they thought they could do a good job in. And they could have control over that. There was an overriding guideline and structure. Basically, I was in charge of making the final decision, the final say. They were more like work for hire in some extent like that. But we were able to work together have a cohesive voice and a cohesive guideline and a direction for things. And ultimately, that worked out pretty well the unfortunate thing was this the funding wasn't there and the timing was off because that was just about the time the bubble was starting to burst and it just it just didn't seem like a great fit to put it out there in the market when the market was basically falling apart so a couple different factors didn't go so well in there but i learned a lot through that process where it seemed to be good to have a more focused agenda on what you can have people do and where you play to your strengths and play to their strengths and, and work more collaboratively in that sense. So that's kind of what I do now with more of a hybrid for my world setting stuff is I use people uh, in their best capacities as work for hire. I just say, okay, we're, you know, I need some help doing this or I'd like to get some information on this. Can you contribute? And usually right now that's been on the, the visual side. It's like the artistic side. So like I said, the covers, the maps, and the... Um, the artwork for the the comic books and things like that and maybe if i need some sound elements or things like of that nature i'll, I'll look at some sound designers and things like that to put things in place but for the most part uh, thanks to the tremendous increase of resources and amazing software programs out there i'm finding myself needing less and less of the people to do the work i did initially because there's so many programs now out there a lot of them for free are very inexpensive that you can do a lot of graphic design work already and sound stuff. I mean, it's just, it's making it a whole lot easier to produce things than I was able even to imagine 20, 21 years ago. So that is kind of the nutshell of where I'm at in world design. Again, I share that to kind of give you an understanding of what some quote unquote real world experience has, has provided. But again, when you're doing your world creation process, just think about that. If it's a joint creative effort, where you want to go with that, what you want to do with it. Where are some basic parameters you can establish early on, playing to each other's strengths, and making sure everyone knows who's invested in the ownership of what, who has the final say of things, who gets compensated financially. If it's, you know, if it's a joint effort, and the company gets, you know, coll- collectively reimbursed, and then people after that, that's fine. But just make sure you have something figured out in writing, and everyone's understanding and clear where it goes, and have established and clear guidelines of what. You want to accomplish. I mean, if you want to have things done in a timely manner, say, okay, let's let's update things to our each other's emails or webpage, whatever you have for a system. Every you know second week of the month, we updated. You know this time every date, never fail. You know, you make sure you have deadlines and things, and then you can critique each other's work or just add it to an overall process in general. Whatever whatever you guys figure out works the best for you. But again, I just wanted to share that today. Hopefully, that was of a benefit to you. I haven't really talked about joint creative ventures. And so I thought it'd be a fun opportunity to dig a little bit into that. And again, you'll find what works best for you on your venture as you move forward and keep world building. That's it for now. We will talk again in a few months. Remember, it's the first month of each quarter. So I'll see you guys again in April. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.